My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. And welcome to Talking Radical Radio, where we bring you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are facing many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening is a crucial step in strengthening all of our efforts to change the world. On this week's show, I'll be speaking with Dave Gale and Ed Lehman. The Regina Peace Council has been around since 1949. It was founded in the wake of the Second World War, in the shadow of the use of nuclear weapons against the Japanese cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki by the United States, and just as the Cold War and the nuclear arms race between the US and the Soviet Union was picking up steam. Peace councils sprang up in many communities in that era, and joined together to form the Canadian Peace Congress as part of the World Peace Council. Given the circumstances of their formation, a key focus of the peace councils in Regina and elsewhere has always been nuclear disarmament. And over the years, they've also often stressed solidarity with people struggling against oppression and imperialism. Dave Gale is a retired civil servant who lives in a small town outside of Regina. He grew up in a left-wing political family. His mother was the secretary of the Regina Peace Council when he was young, and he attended his first peace movement action when he was five years old. Like the movement itself, his own involvement has ebbed and flowed over the years, but today he is still active and is the vice president of the Regina Peace Council. Ed Lehman is a retired educator who lives in a different little town outside of Regina, where he's also a member of the town council. He initially became involved in the Regina Peace Council as a teenager through his friendship with Gale, and both were very active in that era in opposing the Vietnam War. Lehman is currently the president of the Regina Peace Council. Over the years, the peace movement as a whole has grown and shrunk multiple times as global circumstances have changed. Peace councils are much less numerous than they once were, though of course the one in Regina and others remain active, and various other sorts of peace groups with a range of orientations and approaches also exist across the country. Even so, large-scale movement activity against war and for peace is at something of a low point in Canada today. This is not, of course, because of a lack of need for such a thing. The world has been in a state of near-constant regional war in the years since the 9-11 attacks under the banner of the War on Terror, and over that time, Western governments, including Canada, have made regular use of various forms of military intervention up to and including invasion, regime change, and occupation. So the world was already in a very unjust and unpeaceful state when Donald Trump was elected President of the United States, and his particular brand of pugnacious, incoherent bluster has only introduced greater instability. Though the issue of nuclear weapons does not receive the same attention that it did in the 1950s or the 1980s, the current precarious state of the world has caused the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists to move their famous doomsday clock, which they use to indicate our risk of nuclear annihilation, to two minutes to midnight, the greatest risk the world has faced since the worst moments of the Cold War. Lehman, Gale, and the rest of the Regina Peace Council want to do what they can to get peace back onto the public agenda. They continue their work for nuclear disarmament, their solidarity with oppressed peoples, and their general opposition to war and militarism. 
Increasingly, they're also coming to see a tight connection between war and environmental destruction, and the need to develop closer links between the peace movement and the environmental movement. Their ongoing actions include bringing speakers to Regina to talk about the issues and to spark public conversation, publishing their regular newsletter, engaging in demonstrations at critical moments, and participating in other kinds of public events. Their analysis of why there is so little mass peace movement activity in Canada, despite the prevalence of war and instability on a global level, points at least in part to the media. They say that pro-peace perspectives are largely excluded from the mainstream media in this country, so despite many Canadians having impulses that are largely in favour of peace, many of us don't have the information and resources to build those impulses into well-informed anti-war and pro-peace perspectives that might then lead us to turn towards grassroots political work for peace. Recently, as one small way to circumvent this lack of media access, the group took the novel step of renting a billboard on the Trans-Canada Highway just outside of Regina. Its central message is Canada, act for peace, not war, and it lists several specific actions such a commitment would require. It also features the image of a dove created for the peace movement in the late 1940s by Pablo Picasso. I speak with Gail and Lehman about the Regina Peace Council and about its ongoing work for peace. My name's Ed Lehman. I'm a retired educator. I was a teacher for a while and a school principal. I mostly occupy myself these days with peace activity of one kind or another. I focus a lot of my time on work for disarmament as well as issues of social justice, and I'm also on the town council where I live. I live in a town called Cupar, about 75 kilometers northeast of Regina. I'm the president of the Regina Peace Council. I'm also active with PeaceQuest Regina, and I'm on the national board of the Canadian Peace Congress. My name is Dave Gale. I'm a retired federal civil servant. Ed and I have known each other since high school days when we were active in the Out Now campaign against the Vietnam War. And I'm the vice president of the Regina Peace Council. I live in a small town, also about 70 kilometers from Regina, it's called Indian Head. And also one of my focuses is activity in the peace movement. The Regina Peace Council was formed in 1949. At that time, there was a feeling around the world that what had happened in World War II should not happen again. So there was a major effort at that time to form an international peace movement that would focus on fighting against nuclear war because People have looked at what had happened with the dropping of the bombs in Hiroshima and Nagasaki and came to the conclusion that we can't have more of that happen. So in 1949, across Saskatchewan, there were quite a few peace councils formed in the major cities and some of the smaller towns as well, and as well as focusing on the question of nuclear disarmament the Regina Peace Council and other peace councils have always 
stood in solidarity with people around the world fighting against oppression and fighting against imperialism in the first place, U.S. imperialism. So, for example, when there was a coup in Chile, we were one of the organizations that were in support of the struggles of the Chilean people against Pinochet. We have consistently supported the struggles of the Palestinian people against Israel's actions against them. We've always linked the struggle against imperialist oppression with the struggle for nuclear disarmament. How did the two of you get involved in grassroots work for peace? I was very lucky as a high school student that I made the acquaintance of Dave Gale and through him met other like-minded people who were active in the peace movement and who invited me to join at that time the Regina Peace Council. There was a lot of activity at that time against the war in Vietnam. I didn't come from a progressive family. It was only after I had been involved myself in peace and other political activities that I found out that my grandfather had been blacklisted in Austria and was very progressive in his activities in Canada. As far as I knew, well, I I had to be convinced and learn that the war in Vietnam was not a war for democracy. I had to learn that it was a fight for resources on the part of the United States. And as a result of getting involved with the Regina Peace Council, it helped me make other connections and learn about a lot of other struggles going on, both within Canada and around the world. I was fortunate to be born into a family that had been involved for, I guess, two generations in a peace movement. I remember going to my first peace rally probably when I was I was thinking about five years old at the time with my parents who were in the Peace Council in Regina. So I grew up in that atmosphere. My mother was secretary of the Regina Peace Council. My other relatives and friends were intensely involved in the peace movement. So I can say that I was fortunate that I grew up in having involvement in the peace activity to be just a routine part of life. I trace back to my grandfather. He deserted the Austrian army to come to America. So I guess I can say I'm probably the third, at least, that I know of a generation who have been against war. So I would say off and on, I've been active in the peace movement. My older brother was the president of the Regina Peace Council as well. He was somewhat of an inspiration for me to reinvigorate my activity in the peace movement. So I realize you could fill an entire book with the activities of the peace councils over the decades, but just say a few quick things about the kinds of things that the Regina Peace Council has done in the past, and then talk about the present moment. When the Peace Council was first formed, there was a major effort at that time to ban nuclear weapons. So the first big campaign was called the Stockholm Appeal. Hundreds of millions of signatures were collected on a worldwide appeal to ban nuclear weapons. And people across Canada went out 
door to door collecting signatures on that campaign. In the 70s and 80s, there was another major effort to have a worldwide signature campaign to ban nuclear weapons, and that was the second Stockholm Appeal, which was led internationally by the World Peace Council, which we are affiliated with in Regina and nationally through the Canadian Peace Congress. In the 1970s, a major issue of international concern was the Vietnam War, and there was a huge anti-war movement, which we were part of. In Canada, we weren't directly involved militarily. The Canadian government did not get directly involved. We just sold weapons to the Americans to use there. But there was a very vigorous anti-war movement, which involved hundreds of thousands of Canadians. We had large public demonstrations, rallies. So the peace movement was a very, I would say, mainstream movement in Canadian politics and Canadian public life. And certainly that was part of a large international movement and was very much an issue in in the United States. We saw changes there in their government that were as a direct result of the peace movement. And I think we're maybe in a somewhat analogous situation here now. We can say it's post-Cold War, but there are major issues of war and peace which are confronting the world. Our neighbor to the south, I think, is a root cause of many of these issues. We're seeing hot wars around the world. Canada is part of NATO. We've adopted strategies based on concepts of perpetual warfare, humanitarian warfare, and the right to intervene militarily to change governments and issues like this. And we still have, as a backdrop, the threat of nuclear war. That hasn't changed. Maybe in some ways it is become a bigger issue because there are now more countries that have nuclear weapons. We have greater instability as a result of competition or conflict over dwindling resources, higher populations. We're seeing effects of global warming affect economies. So we're seeing conflict over water, over oil, things like that. So we have an international situation which is quite unstable. And then we have the whole matter of our friend Donald Trump. I I say that somewhat facetiously, but he certainly has injected a level of instability into foreign relations, which, well, we can see. The Bulletin of Atomic Scientists moves the hands on the doomsday clock closer to midnight after he was elected. And even following that, because of changes in their policy, they've moved them now till the doomsday clock, which represents an objective assessment of the danger of nuclear war. It's now at the closest to midnight that it's been since the darkest days of the Cold War. So in recent times, we've kept working for nuclear disarmament and against the threat of nuclear war, and at times have worked in coalitions with other groups. Sometimes we were the ones to initiate coalition groups, but coalitions have ebbed and flowed. Now in Regina, we work in partnership with Peace Quest Regina and sometimes 
We also work with a group called Making Peace Vigil. And still, like in previous times, we still work on various solidarity campaigns. In the last year, we've been active on the question of Palestinian solidarity, especially we still try to do something on the question of solidarity with the people of Venezuela, people of Syria. And the last couple of years now, we've been bringing in various speakers to address central peace questions. So what we're trying to do in the Peace Council is take the discussion of peace to a higher level in Saskatchewan so that we're reaching circles of people who haven't been hearing a peace message because there's almost no discussion in the mainstream media. So we're trying to arrange events and get out the word in different ways so that it's not unusual to be discussing issues of peace and solidarity and nuclear disarmament. So given that we face such instability on the global level, and that there are threats to peace in the world that are more intense than they've been in a long time, why is it that mass peace movement activity in the Canadian context is at such a low ebb? I think that the media in North America is playing a huge role in keeping people in the dark. And I think we can't say the same about many of the countries of Europe and Asia and other parts of the world. Like when we look at the international campaign against nuclear weapons getting the Nobel Peace Prize last year, that event received very widespread coverage through the mass media, say in Europe and Asia, but it hardly received coverage in North America. There was a little bit of coverage last October when the announcement was made that ICANN was going to receive the Nobel Prize. But on the day, on December the 10th, when ICANN received the prize, the speeches of Beatrice Finn and Setsuko Thurlow, a Canadian, who accepted the prize, received almost no coverage in our media in Canada. And I think a big part of that is the mainstream media in Canada is pushing for war. They are part and parcel of the corporate structure who is profiting considerably off of the sale of weapons and do not want to see peace breaking out and do not want to see the success of the movement that ICANN represents. I was very inspired that there were 122 different countries who have agreed with the idea of banning and getting rid of nuclear weapons. But where in Canada is any of the media following up? We're hearing almost nothing in the mainstream media. So I understand that along with your ongoing public education activities and the other things that the Regina Peace Council is doing, that one thing that you've done recently in hopes of jump-starting public conversations about peace is purchasing a billboard ad near Regina. Tell me a little bit about that decision. It was kind of a spur-of-the-moment decision. I live east of Regina along the Trans-Canada Highway. And on my drive to the city, I passed a large billboard near the small town of Coppell. And it said, this billboard's for rent. 
and gave a phone number on there. So I just was inspired, thought, well, at our meeting, I'd bring this up. Maybe we should look at renting a billboard with a peace message. We have great difficulty, as Ed was explaining, getting any coverage through the mainstream media of peace issues. So we thought, well, maybe we can take our message directly to the public. We decided that, yes, we would take the step of renting this billboard on the Trans-Canada Highway for a period of a year. Then the issue would be what slogans and what issues do we want to raise on our billboard and who do we address it to? We had some debate. There's a number of issues and slogans that we feel that are worthy of attention, but we thought that the main issue should be is what we want our country to stand for. We want our country to stand for peace. And that was why our main slogan is Canada Act for Peace, Not War. We believe our country is not acting for peace, maybe in spite of what our leaders may be telling you. We're part of a global system based on a use of military as a main instrument of foreign policy. We're against that. If you had a chance to see the billboard, you would see that there's a large peace dove. That dove was created by Pablo Picasso in the late 40s for the peace movement. And we had a number of secondary slogans. We had to be mindful that for a billboard to be successful, Usually, the audience focuses their attention on it for less than five seconds. So Canada Act for Peace, Not War, and the Peace Dove, that's probably the take-home message most people will take from the billboard. But we also had other slogans and messages which we wanted to present to the public. We whittled it down to four other issues which we would like to address. And the one was signing the treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons. The treaty came up at the United Nations last year to a shame Canada did not endorse. We abstained from taking a position on that. We thought that this addresses a fundamental issue for which we are in existence, is prevention of nuclear war. Then the next one was no participation in ballistic missile defense. This is an issue which is of current concern to Canada because it has to do with American nuclear military strategy of ballistic missile defense as a preparation for nuclear war fighting. The United States withdrew from the Anti-Ballistic Missile Treaty unilaterally in 2003. The systems have been employed around the two main nuclear-armed adversaries, is Russia and China, as part of a strategy to win a nuclear war and to permit a nuclear first strike. So we think that Canada shouldn't have any part of that. Then the third one was Canada should not be exporting weapons of war. I think that one's kind of self-explanatory. And the last point that we put on our billboard was to oppose regime change militarism. Regime change strategies are a fundamental component of the Western foreign policy strategy since 9-11. It's called the War on Terror. It is a strategy of perpetual warfare. Western countries led by the United States have unilaterally declared their right to change governments, irrespective of the wishes of the citizens. 
of the country. We've seen that in Iraq, Afghanistan, attempt in Syria, and of course in Libya. We are much against that whole idea of regime change. With all of our major political parties, we don't see any differentiation, any call for Canada to act for peace, not war. We'd like to see that become a major issue in Canadian politics. We're hoping that this will help to spark that issue. What else does the Regina Peace Council have planned over the next little while? In September, we're going to be hosting a Palestinian activist who will have just attended a legal symposium in Winnipeg about the question of Palestine and international law. And she'll be speaking in Regina on that topic. We are planning to have other speakers throughout the year talking on questions of Canadian foreign policy because there are many, many cases where we think our foreign policy is not supportive of peace. We think, for example, on the question of Gaza, that the Canadian government should have taken a clear position in support of the people of Gaza who were unarmed, who were shot by the Israeli snipers. We will be having speakers who will be talking about how Canada's armed spending has gone up and to try and counter the push on Canada now. Trump is pushing for Canada to increase up to 2% or beyond 2% spending on NATO. And we'll have speakers, I'm sure, who will be advocating that this is time Canada get out of NATO. We have a bulletin that we put out called Saskatchewan Peace News, which we publish four or five times a year. And we'll be addressing many of these questions in that bulletin. And it's free to anyone who lets us know what their email or their physical address is. We're one of the only peace groups across the country now that publishes a regular peace bulletin. And in that peace bulletin, we report on the activities going on in Regina and area. And we also report on activities throughout Canada and around the world and try to provide people with information that will strengthen them in their efforts to understand peace questions and to feel more ready to engage in debate and discussion with their friends and family and the broader public. You have been listening to my interview with Dave Gale and Ed Lehman about the work of the Regina Peace Council. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to talkingradical.ca and click on the link for the radio show. On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week. <laughs>